Your reasons for listening to this show, well, those are your own. But just keep in mind that the views, information, or opinions expressed on the Tuttle Daily Podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of our sponsors. Yeah, it's called free speech, people. Nobody's forcing you to listen. One-of-a-kind shades made to order by Vaporshades.com. Vaporshades designs the outer layer of the sunglasses just like a wrap on a car. They customize your sunglasses, marbling the paint. The end result is no two pair of sunglasses are alike. Yours will be completely unique to you. Check us out at Vaporshades.com. Use promo code TUTTLE for 15% off your entire order. Get ready for your daily dose of TUTTLE. Uh, the all-time greatest uh, intern slash producer we've ever had, of course, Tuttle. Tuttle in Florida. From the Vapor Shades Hobo Fish Camp, it's the Tuttle Daily Podcast. No wonder nobody likes you, Tuttle. Everything's a goddamn debate. Welcome to another edition of the Tuttle Daily Podcast. Hope you guys are having a great day so far. Make sure you go to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Tuttle. I've been doing a nightly live stream starting at 8 p.m. Like I said, make sure you go there. Make sure you subscribe. Hit that bell button so you're alerted anytime I put up any new stuff or I go live. Some of the new content that is on there right now, I'm actually going to be playing in a golf tournament this Saturday. And I'm actually, I've not picked up any clubs since I was actually the Drew Garabo show. We used to do this nighttime golf event called Bogey Night. You know, it's a play on words like the movie Boogie Night. But it was a golf uh, tournament. It was held at night. And we played with glow-in-the-dark golf balls. It was one of the most unique events that we ever did at Real Radio 104.1. One being the Phillips Files Celebrity Shoot. You know, when we would go out to the TM Ranch and we would do skeet shooting. That was another one of those, like, unique events that we did for our fundraiser. Most of the fundraising we did was for the mustard seed. But, yes, I went out to the driving range yesterday. I ended up recording myself, and I got to tell you, I was really awful to be. And a lot of you people that watch the video, it's available on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Tuttle, were giving me a lot of great tips. If you watch that video and you have any tips for me, please email me, Tuttle at gmail.com, or leave me a voicemail, 407-270-3044. Right after the break, I got a great interview with an author who wrote a book about his experience being in a coma for a couple of months because he had to be put on a ventilator after contracting COVID-19. And it was such an interesting interview. But before I get into that, I want to talk a little bit about something. Everybody knows Michael Strahan. You know, He doesn't know me. Well, obviously, he probably does know me. Like one of the biggest celebrities that I've been blocked by on social media. I don't even know if I even said anything that bad. But one day I was looking. I was like, why why can't I say this sweet? Michael Strahan has me blocked? Well, anyways, I don't know if you saw the story. He ended up getting his gap tooth or gap teeth because, you know, Strahan had that big-ass gap right in the middle of his two front top teeth. And it was kind of like his trademark. And he got it fixed. You know, a lot of people have asked me, why don't you get the laser correction? Why don't you wear contact? Well, pretty much through my whole radio career, people have known me with the glasses on. And I think I would just look weird without the glasses on. But I would like from, uh, some suggestions from you guys. What are some other trademark things that celebrities have that they're known for? Like, for example, Joaquin Phoenix. Not a lot of you guys know that he used to be a hair lip. He has that scar going right down the middle of his top lip. I think he ended up getting that fixed or that scar removed. But I'd like to hear from you. 
leave me an email, Tuttle at gmail.com, or leave me a voicemail, 407-270-3044. Because I got to tell you, did Michael Strahan do it just as a publicity stunt? Like, the guy has to be in his late 40s, maybe early 50s. So what made him change his mind to get the gap tooth fixed? I mean, we all have those insecurities. I know that I do. Not a lot of people know this. I have an extremely crooked toe on my left foot. I was born that way. Like, seriously, it curves to the right. It's on my left foot, curved to the right, and sticks underneath one of the toes. Like to also like to hear from you guys of any of your insecurities. If you had one thing that you could have fixed, please email me or leave me a voicemail. I'm going to play a little bit of audio, kind of giving you a little bit behind the scenes of what happens when I get ready for an interview. Because if you've been listening to the show, you know the last three guests that I've had on have no called, no showed me. So I get on 10 minutes early. And I just start having my producer Vulture record. And I wanted you to hear a little bit of the, you know, pregame type stuff right before I get ready for an interview. I am going to start getting on like 10 minutes before these interviews. The last three interviews that my producer Vulture has set up have no call, no show. Now, the chick that went to Oxford that lives in uh, Iceland, I talked to her through Facebook Messenger, and she was very, very apologetic. But hopefully she did, she did not hear the show where I said that I hope she turns into a uh, ash volcano body. I'm sure she did. She'll probably never want to have anything to do with me again. But I am waiting for my next guest, David Paris. David Paris, this is an interesting interview. He wrote a book. He actually was in a coma for three years after contracting COVID-19. And I have so many questions that I want to ask him. Because I've always hated going under the knife, being under anesthesia. I've, I've had it done twice in my life. Once when I had my tonsils taken out as a kid. The other one when I had my appendix taken out. And it always sucks. You try to fight it. You really, really do try to fight it. But there is no fighting. That medicine that they give you. It's almost like, I mean, I mean if you think about it, it's, it, it's like you are dying. And I have so many questions for him that I want to ask him. And hopefully he shows up. I think he will. I got a good feeling uh, from this one. Because the last three interviews that we have done, the guy from Disney by the Numbers, Castle Nova, uh, the Kenyan from Kenya, and then the chick, I forget her name, from Iceland. I shouldn't probably call her a chick. She knows five languages, so she could probably curse me out in Mandarin Chinese. Who knows? So just holding on for David Paris right now. He's a nerd. I've only been arrested one time. A radio personality. Professionally? I'm not in the best position that I've ever been in. And hot talk satirizer? You would think with everything that's going on, a Caucasian like myself wouldn't be able to randomly talk to an African-American or a minority. You're listening to the Tuttle Daily Podcast. Wish you could have just flown and had your vehicle arrive a day or two later so you can enjoy more time doing what's important to you? Well, you can. Just give Starfire Transport a call. Let the professionals do the driving while you're flying. Starfire Transport specializes in RV and auto transport. They'll also haul watercraft from boats to PWCs, cargo trailers, and more. Service available throughout the continental United States. So don't wait. Call Brian today at 574-349-4193 or 989-751-6106 for your next move. 
10% off for veterans past or present. Also, make sure to tell them Tuttle sent you for an additional discount. That's Starfire Transport. Do you have something you want to say? Hey, what kind of preacher is you? Leave Tuttle a voicemail. Because you're kind of ignorant. Especially if you think he's being an asshole. No mega bitch! Will your hurtful comments offend Tuttle? No, baby! Call the show at 407-270-3044. Welcome back to the Tuttle Daily Podcast. I was uh, speaking earlier how we have not had the best luck. We we went three for three of guests, no calling, no showing. But I had faith in my next guest because he has one of the most fascinating stories. And I, I have so many questions for him. On the line with me right now is author David Paris. David, thank you for joining me. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here and share my story with your audience. Now, David, you wrote a book. Tell me the name. Tell people all about it. Tell people where they can find it. Tell people if you have a website, if you're on social media, any of that good stuff, and we'll get right into this interview. Fantastic. I wrote a book called A COVID Story. I'm a COVID survivor. I was one of the early ones in New York City. I was in the hospital for 88 days. I was in a coma for 32 days. Uh, I was the sickest person on the floor that lived. And I have a lot to say about it. Uh, You can find the book on Amazon, looking under a COVID story or my website, davidparisbooks.com. Yeah. Now, David, where where are you located at right now? Where, Where do you live? I live in Brooklyn. Now, New York, at the beginning, was the epicenter of the COVID-19 pandemic that was happening. Do you know where or, or can you pinpoint how you caught it or where you caught it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I caught it from my younger brother. He had it, um, didn't know he had it because back then there wasn't any testing. Uh, not only were there not masks, not people who were just beginning to socially distance, um, but we didn't know who had it and who didn't. Um, he was the only person I was in contact with for a month. And, um, I found out later he had it and he's roughly my same size. He was sick for a week. Um, I got sick and I was sick for a week. And then the second week, as many people know, that's when things get much worse. And then I couldn't breathe. I went to the hospital and you know, a lot, a lot happened. After- now, David. What about what about your brother? Did did he have the same type of reaction to it as you as you did? Initially, he did. We both had immense uh, uh, shivers all night long. We were sicker than we've ever felt before. Um, he was fine though after a week. And back then, I'm 49. I work out every day. I had no fear of having severe complications. I sort of look forward forward to it. I was like, okay, let me get COVID. I'll be fine, have immunity and take on the world. Uh, That's not what happened. Now, David, so at what point do you go? Do you go to the ER? Do you go to the hospital? Like at what point? When were you like, okay, I need to go get help? Yeah, it was the eighth day. Uh, Back then, again, we didn't know who had it, who didn't. We were told not to go to the hospitals back then because they said, look, you'll more likely get it at the hospital than you'll get help. Um, I didn't have any of the severe symptoms, such as uh, not being able to breathe, but it was the eighth day when I passed out in front of my refrigerator um, when I thought to myself, oh, maybe this is bad. When I woke up, I could barely breathe. My family told me, uh, you need to get to the hospital. I was told by a teleconference the day before that I didn't have COVID based on my symptoms, so I wasn't really worried too much. But I got myself to NYU, which saved my life. If I went to almost any other hospital, I would have died because. Did uh, you lose your smell? Oh, I didn't lose my smell. No, you didn't. Now, okay, so you go into the hospital. How many days were you there before they decided that they? I, I guess because you were in you were in a coma for three months, correct? Oh, sorry. I was in a coma for one month. I was in the hospital. One month. Yeah. Okay. Now, now, like, did they have to put you on a ventilator? Is that why they put you in? Yeah, in, absolutely. In, Not at yeah. first. 
uh, I came in, I guess back then that would be, it would be called moderate symptoms, just not being able to breathe. They gave me an oxygen tank immediately. Suddenly I could breathe. It was great. Um, I spent four days there and actually I, they saw that I had very, very little oxygen levels, uh, about 70%, which is super, super low. Um, my memory of that time is, is limited because I just remember hundreds of people crowding me on the bed. And honestly, mm -hmm. I was the only person there. Maybe there was a doctor in there, here or there. But I was hallucinating pretty badly. Now, now uh, your, your, your family could not go into the hospital, correct? Like right. once you were there? Yeah, that's right. Now, how, how, how does that feel? Because, you know, I, there's a lot of people that do not take this pandemic serious enough, okay? And yeah. one of the things that I've talked about with people is that once you go into the hospital and if you do die, you're going to die alone. I mean, I mean, you're 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 going to have people around you, but your loved ones is what I'm trying to say. I think for most people who are in that situation, they were very scared. I can just the reason why I call the book a COVID story. It's just my story. And for me, I wasn't scared because I was still 100% confident that I was going to be okay in a day or two. And um, even though I was alone, I wasn't worried. And my sister told me, hey, look, they're going to put you on a ventilator soon. And almost everybody dies who goes on a ventilator. And I was like, eh, I'll be fine. I, I was one of those um, not really, yeah, I, I was being silly, to be honest. Now, okay, so walk me through this. When they come to tell you, they're going to have to pitch you on a ventilator. And if people don't know what a ventilator is, how far does that go down? Like, does it go all the way down your throat into your lungs? Like uh, the ventilator, explain that to me. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't have that information. I, I don't know that, but they do cut a hole in your, in your throat. Um, oh, they, they do. Come, yeah, they, they definitely did. And um, to make it, make it easier. Now, what was the last thing you remember before, like when they pitch you, when they, when they pitch you in a coma, do they give you something to pitch you asleep? Like, I don't have that memory. My last memory is they were wheeling me somewhere. And I just figured out at the hospital that if I ordered, um, at the time they were sending me food based on what they wanted. I figured out, oh, I can actually order my own food off the touchscreen menu. I was so excited, but they were going to put me in the later i said to myself oh no i'm not gonna be able to utilize this till i wake up so my last thought was i can't wait to get that chicken sausage in the morning mm -hmm. and you and all right so so they 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 pitch you down and uh, not pitch it down but they 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 <laughs> pitch you asleep okay now my one of the questions i wanted to ask do you dream do you remember any dreams or did you dream at all while you were under? That's the question I get the most. And it's 100% you dream, you're dreaming the whole time. And not only are you dreaming, uh, your dreams connect. And I'm not the only one to say this. I've talked to other survivors as well. Um, their experiences that the time goes fast, but at the same time, you, you know, when you dream sometimes. It's like the movie Inception almost. Remember? That's Have you ever 100%. Seen? It's that yeah. real. It's, it's, it's incredible. And you experience, in fact, what's jarring is when you wake up, you're in this reality and you don't like it because it's not true. You just had spent a whole month in a different reality that wasn't disjointed. They actually followed through. For me, I was salsa dancing the entire month because they kept really. Yeah, they were playing salsa music. Are, uh, are you a, are you have you ever salsa dance? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Was it? Salsa dance is my favorite dance. I'm a salsero. And um, that, that's where I do a lot of my work as an acrobatic dancer. And it's my favorite. It's my most passionate thing I do in life. And my did they play partner, that for you? Did they yeah, play they that for partner. you because they knew? That's exactly right. My dance partner got a playlist in for me and she played our routines and she played my favorite songs. Um, and that absolutely influenced me. And if I may say, you know, some people have doubts about that. I do know. They also uh, had FaceTime conversations with me. My family did. And things they said were in my dreams. I remember that. So you could actually still hear things well, like not, on the outside that, world or were you hearing things in the dream world? In the dream world. So it's not a con it wasn't like a conscious. Um, you know how like you might hear a sound 
mm-hmm. in the outside world, like a car, and then in your dream, it appears as like a burst pipe or something like this. It's not like a conscious uh, translation, but you are receiving what's going on on the outside. So you were you were in coma for a month. And did it seem like, all right, one minute I was in a coma and then the next it was kind of like you almost time traveled? Yeah, that's exactly right. The, the, the experience is in some way it feels like it was a few days. In some ways, it feels like it was five, five lifetimes um, at the same time. So it's, it's a very bizarre experience. Any other dreams that you can remember? Yeah, quite a bit. The, the dream I remember the, the most, that's the ju- most scary for me, was when I woke up um, and, and I, had, I was in a theater and this spirit that later I was told was a Japanese Buddha, but this Japanese spirit uh, was a gateway telling me that I was going to die. Um, and I pleaded with this uh, spirit that, no, I absolutely don't want to die. I, I, I'll do anything. And he painted a white uh, stripe off the side of his face, indicating to me that all of my pleas meant nothing. I, I, it just it was sad for him. And, but he told me, no, I'm sorry, you're going to die. And I pleaded for him probably for hours until he finally said, I'll give you a small chance, but you're going to have to fight harder than you ever did in your life for a very, very long time. Um, and that dream still one year later stays with me. I'm, I'm, uh, it's a reminder, no matter how hard things get, to, to keep pushing. I could tell you the other ones, too. No, I, well, I mean, I want people to read the book. I'm sure you wrote about that stuff. I don't want to give away too much of the book. Sure. Um, now, OK, so you wake up. What 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 are the things what what are people telling you once you first come out? Yeah, my first memory was the whole world is a bit foggy. Um, my first experience is just one in water. The nurse who was there was so excited to see me. And then, you know, I wasn't excited to see her. I just wanted water and I just repeated it. And she couldn't because I you, you're not allowed to swallow. And she had to communicate to me that. Uh, sorry. And I immediately just was so upset. I remember going right back to sleep. Um, and then the next, I don't know, it was the next few hours, the next few days, I, I begged for water. Finally, they gave me an ice chip and it felt better than it a must. Yeah, must have been the best thing that you've ever. You how, yeah, it was better than. Yeah, it was the best. It was incredible. And so those were my first memories. But even after that, I could say the suffering I know nobody can understand this because they haven't gone through it, but I've heard the other survivors have the same experience. The loneliness you feel in not being able to communicate and the inter, when you wean off the sedation and come back to this world, it's such an intense level of isolation that um, I don't know how to express it other than- I've, I, I, I've, actually, I've actually been under twice. And the one time that I had my appendix taken out, mm. it's weird when you first wake up, you know, That's like you, 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 you're trying to get your bearings, you know, you're, you're looking around. And I, I remember like I had a hard time talking when I first came out of it, you know, and I'm not comparing my appendix to what you went through. I hope you know that, but I do. you, I do. you, you know, but it was I, I, I was trying to talk, but I couldn't. It was just like I was like it was like I everything I could muster up was just a whisper. Yeah. Yeah, I think like I've, I've been under a few times before this in surgeries, and I will say that nothing that I experienced before was anything close to this. Um, and it's hard to describe pain. I I uh, when you haven't had it. Um, but it, it's as, as much as people describe, wow, that must have been hard because you woke up by yourself with strangers. That was easy compared to that first initial few days um, where like in, in my dream world, I remember just raking uh, leaves in, in the forest for hours upon hours for days even. Oh, no sex dreams or anything like uh, I mean, nothing, nothing like that. I mean, well, nothing good. The world, I will say it was phenomenal. The, some of, some of my experiences, I got to do things I never thought I could do that weren't physically possible. I stayed in five-star hotels, was experiencing the best of life. So yeah, a lot of it was good. It was just the waking up part. Those drinks were the worst. All right. So tell me what it was like being able to physically 
see your family in person for the first time after you went into the hospital? Yeah, I just felt love. You know, I never, our family is very, uh, fights quite a lot. And for the first time, my older sister and older brother were talking. They haven't talked for years. Um, there was so much love going both ways. Um, and when you have, when you have experienced near death, the people that you love suddenly is beyond reason to live there. So it makes you appreciate, makes you appreciate life more. Does it, does it, I mean, does it, it, it did back then and it still does now. Yeah. It's you're, you're confronted with how silly fights are. You're confronted with how much you thought people didn't recognize you or care about you. And they devote, they're sharing their love. And when you realize you were almost gone, nothing you take for granted again. And that was a gift in some ways, um, a very painful, <laughs> painful gift. <laughs> but uh, what do you, yeah. What do, what do you tell the people? Because there are a lot of people that are like, oh, it's, it's no worse than the flu. That's really oh, it's, yeah, it, 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 it really, really is. And, I I I think it, it's so sad in our country where we are so divided over something like this. It became a political statement almost. You know, it, it became political. Who were actually telling me it was just a flu, um, and and I told them what I went through, and they still didn't believe it. So it's very hard to convince people who have their own beliefs, no matter what evidence is presented in front of them. And it's immensely upsetting. And then even worse is when people won't act. I mean, I, I believe in your last podcast, I was listening to it. You said, look, I may not get this. I'm in the best shape of my life, but my parents who I take care of, I need to be thinking of them. And yeah. on one level, yeah. It, it, and even if you don't have parents you're taking care of, you may transfer it to somebody else. But yeah, I'm 49. I was in decent shape. And I still, I almost lost it. And, and mm -hmm. so people are assuming health when they should not now did the doctors tell you at all why you had such complications because you know we've learned so much about this virus this disease you know at first everybody said it was a lung disease which it is but now they're finding out that it has a lot to do with the blood blood clot did you did you have to deal with any of that stuff well absolutely i got blood clot on the Side of my head, I, I blood clots multiple parts of my body. My uh, fingers turned black from gangrene. My toes turned black. Um, you didn't have to have anything amputated, did you? Uh, not amputated. I, I lost a little bit of a finger, but at the time, they thought I was going to lose three finger, four fingers, and a few toes. Uh, my own recovery, probably because I was in decent shape, they said uh, they thought it was miraculous that I got to keep them, but only a little bit of a finger fell off. Um, but they didn't have to amputate it. Any other permanent damage? What about your lungs? Like... Yeah, the lungs are scarred. I, I struggle a little bit um, with, with hardcore exercise, but I'm able to do a lot. But I still feel a burning sensation that tells me to slow down. Will, will, yeah. you, ever, will you ever get that back, or is it permanent? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. You know, in, in my, my, that was my favorite question for myself. I would ask every doctor every day, and they'd answer it the same way. And they said, they just don't know, you know, it's a new disease and they can't promise anything. So mm -hmm. it, it, it's a bit weird. Um, I had complete confidence I would get back. I told my dance partner that we'd be doing a world tour in a month. I didn't know the world shut down at the time. I thought it, mm -hmm. but now, um, yeah, now I, you know, I'm, I'm glad you listened to the show. Listen, I want to get the vaccine. I actually this morning took my parents to get their second uh, uh vaccine of the moderna shot today right um so i'm kind of concerned because you know they're a little bit older and i've been hearing that the second dose is a little bit tougher on people so um i would have gotten it today but you know our um by the way our governor here in the state of florida is the worst ron DeSantis is like he just doesn't care like he, he he does not. And the thing is, is now that they're finding out, you know, that there's probably about eight 
thousand more deaths that have not been counted because Maybe. I don't know. I don't I don't know if you heard or read the story about the woman that was the uh, the stat person, the person keeping up that. with all the and, then and they raided, raided, right? Yeah, raided her house and oh stuff. That's crazy. And and you know what I'm really, really worried about here is down in South Florida with spring break. OK. It has been jammed packed and nobody's wearing masks and guess what all those people they are not floridians guess what they are gonna go they're gonna go back home and and i'm just afraid because right now i'm reading the numbers are still going up right now despite the vaccinations yeah it's 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 a really it's a problem of our society right like we don't we we live in a country where people don't believe in Do, we have too many freedoms almost though don't don't you I, I i hate to say that you know i i i think america is still the greatest country in the world but like for example you know and and you know i'm kind of joking with this but i also think china has probably lied about their numbers as well too but you want to know why you want to know why china probably was able to get a hold of it cuz they told them hey Stay inside because if we see you outside, we're just going to shoot you. Yeah, they had the drones making sure people weren't outside, right? So that that's legitimate. No, well, I listen. I I I hate to make that statement that we have too many freedoms, but it's just like here. This is the other thing I compare it to. Okay, you know, back during World War II, okay, when the country all had to sacrifice everybody did their part for the war effort okay and and now that we've come so far we have all these freedoms and when people are told to just wear a mask or do this or do that just do very simple things people always cry oh this is america you know this is my rights you know i hate it when i see people go into like private businesses and and say, oh, this is this is against my civil liberties. Uh, no, it is a private business. They have the right to refuse service to anybody that they would that they don't want to serve. I think people confuse civil liberties um, with social welfare, <laughs> and it it uh, it's a problem in our country for sure. But do you get what I'm saying though? Like the the greatest generation, the ones that help fight the Nazis and all that stuff during World War II, they did their part. They, they, well, they had a sense of collective, the collective good, whereas now there's more of an emphasis on your individual rights. Now, let me ask you this. Um, and, and I wanted to get your opinion on this. You know, they were talking about, you know, minorities and stuff having a harder time with, this disease. And I, I don't think it is a racial thing. I think it is a class thing because the poor. It is it is more expensive to eat healthy than it is to just go to a fast food place or go to, you know, something cheaper that's got processed food and stuff like that. I don't know. I could be wrong off of that, but I think it affects or people more than it does, you know, race related, in my opinion. Sure. I haven't done enough research, uh, but I could tell you I lived in Harlem. And when I did, there were no food shops there at the time. <laughs> so uh, there is a correlation between healthy food, access to healthy food and the neighborhood you're living in. Um, and I wasn't living in the uh, wealthy area of Harlem. But yes, absolutely. There, There's a history. There's a, a link, of course, between race and, and class due to historical racism in the country. And there's probably some things that are passed down generationally for a while. Um, I know my, my dance partner is Colombian, and she's concerned also about the vaccine. Um, well, the Tuskegee of, Airmen, the Tus Tuskegee Airmen, right. you know. But you can can I tell you, David, though, what made me feel really, really good today when I took my parents to go get their second vaccine? Yeah, please don't. A, a lot of minorities getting their shots today. Great. Like 
like seriously, I saw I saw India, not Native American, but people from India. I saw African Americans. I saw uh, Spanish people. I I mean, it 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 was like yes, finally people are getting it. Like they they are. That's great. That's really great. And 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 I can understand the the hesitant of things, especially, you know, going back to the Tuskegee Airmen stuff, you know, with with drugs and stuff being purposely tested on minorities to see how they work. Yeah, I can understand some of the uh, untrust. Yeah, I have I have. It's interesting when I ask people how many people do they know were affected and in New York City. Almost always, if I ask a friend who was a person of color, especially African-American, they know multiple people who were killed uh, or, or died from COVID. Um, and, and people who are white did not. And it, the disparity, who it's affecting, definitely New York City, uh, was related to race and not simply class. But maybe it is. I, I, I'm, I don't know. Do you think that this is something that is just something we're going to have to deal with for the rest of our lives? Um, I know people when I was in the hospital, I saw I was one of the very, very few people who left relatively intact. Um, there were many people who had to leave with oxygen tanks for the rest of their lives who could barely move. I know that at the very least, people who were affected will have this for the rest of their lives. and. This long COVID thing is a real thing. Every single hospital worker, I should say, almost every single hospital worker in there was affected and still felt symptoms months later. Yeah, I think it's going to be with us forever. What, what do you, what is your feelings? What would you say to the frontline workers, the nurses, the doctors? Um, how important have they been? The ones that are having to work tirelessly nonstop you know a lot a lot of people don't think about this but a lot of these doctors and nurses don't even go home because they're afraid that they're going to bring home the disease to their family yeah to a large reason that's why i wrote the book uh, i wrote the book it was it wasn't just my story even though i called it a covid story but i interviewed all my doctors all the, not every nurse but many of the nurses the physical therapists the occupational therapists even the aide and they all are heroes for me. And I had no idea what they did for people. These people kept my, um, my, my, my mental health intact. They kept my physical health intact. Um, and yeah, they were working 12 hour days, six, seven days a week. All of them were beyond, um, they, they could barely even make it. They, I have friends who were doctors and nurses um, in COVID floors and saying they were crying in between. Uh, seeing each patient, they could barely make it. These people are heroes and they did heroic work. And I wanted to just say thank you so much to, to the work you do. And people don't know unless you have that connection. And if you know somebody, please ask because they're, they, need, <laughs> they need to tell you about how hard it's been. And I don't want to put you on the spot. And if you don't want to answer this question, you don't have to. What, what are your thoughts on the way Donald Trump handled this pandemic? Sure. Well, I, I, my politics are, are center, center left. And there's, to me, there's just no question that test, there are countries that did a lot better with uh, getting testing out early. Um, he denied it numerous times. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm furious. If, if he did a different job, I wouldn't have done what he, what he did. And he got the best care. Uh, by the time he got it, you know, they figured out you can use more steroids and um, help people who had just moderate cases, they could have figured out early. I actually, they actually gave me hydrochloroquine, which. Oh, they did. Was See, like, I, that, I was COVID. just going to ask you, like, what, what type of treatments did they give you? They gave me every experimental treatment before nothing worked. And then they put me on the ventilator and then a machine called the ECMO machine, which, which they give you if the, if the ventilator doesn't work and it looks like you're going to die. The last shot is the ECMO See, machine where they, yeah. But, See, um, I, I will say this. See, I, I, I don't lean. I really don't trust any of the politicians. I know I, I really don't think they have our best interests out there. But the one thing that I can say that I agreed that Donald Trump did was giving the patients the ability and the right 
to take drugs that were experimental if they chose to. Sure. I, 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 I didn't know that. I didn't know he did that. No, 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 no. He, he made, he, he, he was like, listen, these people that are dying that maybe are going to die and these drugs that are er experimental, maybe, you know, haven't been, you know, it was, he made it, made it possible for the patient to be able to decide if they want to, because I know that if I'm on death's bed and, and, and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take anything that's going to give me a chance. Yeah, that's right. I didn't know he did that. That's great. And they did, I, they gave, put me on three experimental drugs. Um, I forget the names, but one of them, of course, was a hydrochloroquine. The only reason I get upset is because that was proven to not work and he kept pushing it. But if he mm -hmm. also let other medicines happen, that's great. And then there's being a, a moderate left out there. Some things I thought he did was great. Um, so I praise him for that. But uh, the lack of testing and saying it was just going to be like the flu. Yeah. Okay, that's inexcusable. Yeah. And then and then to silence. um Dr. Burks and Fauci, I, 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 I thought I was like, yeah, definitely something's up because, I mean, you can't tell me everybody wants to give those two doctors a hard time, but Fauci has worked with like five different presidents. So you can't, you can't tell me that, oh, he's bad all of a sudden because all the other presidents pretty much trusted him. That's right. Well, David, once again, tell people how they can find your book. I hope you enjoyed this interview. I hope I, I did not. It. I think we I did hope that. I... Yeah, please. I, we, we, we cover some great topics. I hope to give uh, a sense. My book is an oral history. It's, it's going to be not just my voice, but it's going to be doctor voices, going to be nurses' voices, going to be community members, artists, all who are involved in my story. You can find it on my website at davidparisbooks.com or on at Amazon at a COVID story or a COVID story. Um, if you look it up, uh, you'll see the reviews so far. It's getting almost all great reviews. I have one person who didn't like it so much, but I, are you going to do book? Are, are you going to do book on tape? Um, I am. Yeah, I'm actually going to, are you going to read it yourself? I, I was originally going to have somebody else read it because it's an oral. I history. think you should. I think you should. Are you really great? Uh, no, no, no. You, you, you had, you have a good voice. But the passion your experiences is going to be able to come through on the way that you read it, in my opinion, because the person that's reading it yeah. is not going to be able to portray what you went through like the way that you could. Hey, hey, thank you. The, I wonder. Um, thank you for that. I think what I'm going to what I know I'm going to do is on YouTube. I want to read some of it and then make the comments kind of like what I'm doing now. Um, and, uh, but maybe, yeah, maybe I'll do the audio version too. Please let me know. What do you think out there? <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, I really do. And if you like, I mean, you know, I'm, a, I'm a great audio editor. Um, right. so like, you know, like if you would, you know, if you want to voice himself, I don't know, like if you have a recording studio or whatever to be able to record with, um, I, I you do. know, I usually send it, I have some other books that I did it with and people like the voice. I just thought it would be hard because I have other people's voices, like a nurse and a doctor's and, and, and whether I thought maybe a more theatrical person I could do more. Oh, I mean, you could do that, though. I mean, I, I know that the actual people probably wouldn't read it, but I'm, I'm sure that you could get like, you know, say if it was a woman nurse, you could get a female character to be able to read it and stuff. That's what I'm, yeah, that's what I was thinking about. So. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have my uh, producer reach out to you because I, 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 I've already edited a couple of uh, audiobooks for some people, you know, and, and I think, I think that I could actually really do a great job for you on it. You know, great. like if you could just record it and then I can edit some stuff and, and, and make it sound good because it is, it, it's about pacing, um, you know, like having another ear, like, read or he listen to it and be like yeah maybe you know could have been a little bit better here you know can we can we get a reread on it or something because yeah. i've done two like because i've worked with uh a couple of radio hosts that have written books that they voiceovered uh everything and i did all the editing for them so 
let me know. I, 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 I think um, I could, I could help you out with that. Great. I know your, I know your email address. <laughs> I'll, I'll send, I'll send a. Uh, I'll, maybe I'll just start today. I'm inspired. Thank you. Hey, David. I really appreciate this interview. Um, oh, I, I, I hope. Uh, oh, one last question. I, I forgot about this. So when you get out of the hospital. And everybody's eating hospital food. What was the first thing that you requested <laughs> when you got out? Oh, that's an amazing question. Nobody's asked me that. Um, I, when I couldn't drink, when I could, when, when an ice cube to me was a feast, mm -hmm. uh, right after I tasted that, all I could think about for two weeks was an eggplant parmesan. Uh, <laughs> are you Italian? And, no, but I live in Brooklyn. So, you know, it's, it's, it's something big around here. And so I, and, and then my first time they gave me a chance to have a visitor who could bring food in the rehab, um, oh, for a month I was looking forward to that and he forgot it. And that was until I got home. And by the time I got home, then I could start tasting food again and it wasn't the same. But I could tell you I dreamed of an eggplant parm probably like two or three, uh -huh. it was like 99% of my thoughts for weeks. You know, people don't realize this about New York, man. They have so many mom and pop yes. restaurants. Yeah. Like, if you cannot find good food in New York, then you don't have good taste in food because you can find a little bit of everything there. It's true. It's true. Almost within every neighborhood, you'll have 20 to 30 just great spots to go to. Do you, do you have, uh, and where were you, you said you're in Harlem, right? Uh, I lived there for a little bit. Now I'm in Prospect Heights. Okay. So any, uh, do you, do you have like a favorite bodega? Like my people down here in the South that listen to me, uh, like, I mean, do, do you have bodegas around there? Like, you know, yeah, every, everywhere across the city, it's either Korean deli or bodega, depending on the. Explain to people what a bodega is. Sure. Usually, it comes from because many decades ago, these small grocery stores that are usually 24 hours um, were run by somebody Latino, usually Puerto Rican, but could be Dominican, depending on neighborhood or Mexican. And now it's uh, run by many ethnicities, but it's a local, local 24 hour spot. That but you can get everything um, now. Like you can get everything, get everything there. there. And, you, and they know you, there. right? Like they. That's they, right. know they know you. you. You walk in, they're already cooking it. They're cooking you the, the thing that you order every time. Your friends, uh, you leave packages with them. Uh, they, they they become your um, post office of sorts. <laughs> and, All right. and, and and it's a meeting center. You hang out there. You're three in the morning. You're, you're going in there drunk when you're younger, uh, broken when mm. you're older. I don't know. But it, 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 it's, a, it's a neighborhood spot. And All right. It means a lot. So if I go to your neighborhood, Okay, this is a, because I'm big on food and I, yeah. I'm, I'm coming to visit David Paris and I say, David, tell me the best spot in your hood here, your neighborhood. Where do I go and what do I get? Yeah, so it depends what type of night. <laughs> I always ask people first. They, they ask me this all the time when they come over. Uh, where, where should I eat? So it depends on the time of night, depending on what's open. Things are going to be open 10 or 11. But I'm asking so you, though, like, what would you, though, David? Okay, Paris, what, what, would, what would I do? Yeah. Um, in the morning, I love going right down. The, there's Bergen bagels, best bagels. in. in Why the are the bagels so much better in New York? Everybody says that because it's the, the, the water. And and I I've never been able to understand that. To me, the bagels often are slightly different. I think it was more true 30, 40 years ago. If you go other places, there are some good spots now when I go to other places in the country. Maybe not perfect, but... I can tell close. you're in New York because uh, I can hear the hot, or the ambulance or, or yeah. police siren in the background. <laughs> yeah, it, it's legitimate Brooklyn, for sure. I'm right around the block from a, from a fire truck house. But yeah, the, the bagels um, tend to be slightly crispier, slightly more uh, flavorful. They're a little dull when you go outside the country. Uh, so you go everything. Everything bagel is my bagel. I do an egg bagel, um, but an everything bagel is excellent choice. Hey, I got to tell you this story. The first time that I ever went to New York and um, do, I always forget what Burr, where is the Apollo Theater at? Sure, Manhattan. It's a, well, OK, so 
I uh, my buddies, the first radio show that I worked on, Ron and Fez, they wanted to take me on a tour because I'm a southern kid, very small town. The town that I grew up in, we don't even have a caution light. We don't even have any lights at all. My grad, my graduating, my graduating class was 62 people. Wow. Um, so, so you can only imagine my first time in the big city. All right. Amazing. So they want to, they want to take me on a tour and they were like, Hey, let's get a picture of you in front of the Apollo. Okay. And they were like, Oh, we can't get the whole shot. We're going to stand across the street and we're going to take a picture of you. Well, they, got in the car and took off. Are you serious? Yeah. Wow. Me there. Wow. And and me being the Florida cracker. And <laughs> a lot of people think that Florida cracker is a racist term. It's not. Uh it's actually a term of endearment. When you call somebody a Florida cracker, that means somebody that was born and raised and have lived in Florida all their life. But I had to make it back because the studio was two blocks from Times Square. So I had to make it from the Apollo to that area all on my own. And you know what? Good luck getting a cab in some of those places. Yeah, it depends on what type, it depends on what year. But if it was 10, 15, 20 years ago, uh, yeah, there's no chance to be a cab up there. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Well, David, listen, I'm sorry to talk your ear off. Like I, I could sit here and talk to you oh, no, forever. And, and I really, really yeah. appreciated this interview. Once again, t tell people how they can check out your book and your website. Yeah, please. Uh, the website is davidparisbooks.com. And on Amazon, if you look up a COVID story, that's a COVID story, um, you can check it out. And there's uh, some pages you can read uh, for free and pick out the reviews. You'll see that everybody, it's an easy read. It's not too heavy, lots of comedy, um, but definitely touches on some serious uh, topics and you'll love it. Uh, I don't think anybody yet has not loved it. And um, thank Tuttle, Thank you so much for this time. I really appreciate hey, it. David, make sure you uh, email me your contact info and I'll, I'll send back all mine. Um, you have my email. It's Tuttle T U D D L E at gmail.com. Send me all your contact info. And if there's anything I can ever do for you, please uh, feel, uh, feel yeah, free to reach audio. out. <laughs> definitely. Yes. Thank you Let's so do much. it. All right, man. Hey, right. I'm 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 so happy you're feeling better. I am uh, I'm very very happy, and I I hope you are on a road to a 100% recovery. From the Vapor Shades Hobo Fish Camp. Man, maybe I would have way more sex partners in my life if I just threw caution to the wind. It's the Tuttle Daily Podcast. Tuttle's Daily Podcast is brought to you by. StitchYouUp.com For your embroidery, screen printing, vinyl, and direct-to-garment printing needs, visit StitchYouUp.com StitchYouUp specializes in custom caps, shirts, decals, and anything you want to personalize. Whether it's one item or large orders, they can handle any size. Unsure about what you want? Let StitchYouUp help you with your logo design. Visit StitchYouUp.com or contact them Eric at stitchyouup.com. Stitch you up. Definitely not your grandma's embroidery. Nerd. Radio personality and hot talk satirizer. You're listening to the Tuttle Podcast. All right, guys. Welcome back. Last segment of today's Tuttle Daily Podcast. Make sure you go to my YouTube channel where you do not miss my live stream, which will be on tonight at 8 p.m. YouTube.com slash Tuttle. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you hit that bell button. And if you give me a chance, throw me some likes. Hit that little thumbs up button. You know, I hate begging for stuff like that. But I'm trying to get this channel to grow. And from what I've been reading with the algorithms and stuff, getting a lot of likes helps your video show up as like suggestions from other videos. I uh, wanted to talk about this took my parents yesterday to get their second shot of the the Moderna shot and I thought maybe the second shot would have been a lot lot easier or a lot easier of a process here I'll walk you through this okay so the first time that they go I had already pre-registered them online 
gave up all the information, okay? We get there the first time. We got to fill out the same exact paperwork. Okay, I could see that. Got through, got the first shot. Now, when you get your first shot, they give you this card. The card on it tells you what vaccine you got for the first one. It's kind of got like a little bit of a barcode telling them who you are, having all your information on it. So yesterday, oh, and by the way, you got to keep those cards. If you go to get your second shot and you don't have that card, uh, good luck. Good luck trying to get that second shot. But we get there again. Now keep in mind, all the information is on that card that they gave us before. Guess what we had to do again? Fill out the same goddamn paperwork. Now, I know that does, that doesn't sound like a big deal. Maybe it took an extra five minutes that second time around to be able to fill out the paperwork. The other thing that I don't get, why is it any of their business? Because on the forms, it asks what race you are. Like, seriously, why, how does that have any importance at all? Why, why is that question necessary? I, I, my parents left it blank. But back to what I was saying. So, you know, second time around, we've already got that card that has all of our ID, ID stuff on it. All I got to do is scan it because it's got a QR code on it. Got like a barcode. So think about that. Five minutes, five minutes, five minutes, five minutes, five minutes. At the end of the day, you're looking at a couple of hours that have built up. And think of how many more vaccines that they could be giving out to people if you didn't have to fill out that goddamn paperwork, which you already have their information on. Why was that card so important for us to be able to bring back to you if we still got to fill out the same paperwork? I know it sounds like I'm bitching. One of the big things is that we're not vaccinating people fast enough. You cut that out. You cut that second piece of paperwork out because you've got that card already with all my information on it. Think of how many more people that they could get vaccinated in a day. Or are they purposely slowing down the process because they don't have enough shots? Because if you got rid of that paperwork at the end of the day, you're like, oh, oh, man. We don't have enough of the vaccine. And also another thing, like I said, well, I, I hate conspiracy theory people, but some of them are pretty true. You know, I was reading a couple of uh, places where they said that the, uh, you know, when they pull the uh, needle back out of the arm, you cannot see the needle itself. You want to know why that is? Because a lot of people said, oh, well, they're, they're really not giving you anything. No, they are. It's a brand new type of needle that once they inject it, it retracts right back into like the vessel part of it. So that's why you don't see the needle when it's coming out. So I was going to get my first shot, but it was packed. As soon as Ron DeSantis opened it up to 40 plus, that place was packed as hell. You don't get a lot of traffic jams in DeLand. But there sure was a big-ass traffic jam there waiting to get into the fairgrounds yesterday. So, guys, I know a lot of you are anti-vaxxers and stuff, but get it done. My parents, they, they really haven't had any side effects so far from the second shot besides having a sore arm. All right, guys, going to get out of here. I got some great interviews that I'm recording today. Don't forget about the Tuttle Daily Podcast live stream Go to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Tuttle. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you hit that bell button and give me a thumbs up on some of those videos. Hope you guys enjoyed today's show. Hope you guys stay safe and I will talk to you tomorrow. And that's the show for today. Thanks for listening to the Tuttle Daily Podcast. Hey, don't be a dickhead. Do us a favor. Like, share, and subscribe to the show. Also, Check out the Tuttle category at 315live.com. The Tuttle Daily Podcast is brought to you by the Vapor Shades Hobo Fish Camp. 
You want some cool-ass sunglasses? Check out Vaporshades.com. Also brought to you by Starfire Transport, StitchYouUp.com, PocketPairClub.com. Special thanks to show intern Hannah and Charlie Lamo for their contributions. Additional imaging and production is provided by CCA Productions. Facebook.com slash CCA Productions presents. Show voiceover service is brought to you by jcvoiceover.com. That guy's got a damn sexy voice. You should hire him. Check out jcvoiceover.com. If you want to help support the show, go to paypal.me slash Tuttle on the radio. Comments? Concerns? Or do you just want to let Tuttle know he's being a dickhead? Tuttle at gmail.com. That's Tuttle with two Ds at gmail.com. Leave a voicemail at 407-270-3044. To follow all of Tuttle's social media, go to Tuttle.net. Thanks again for all your support, and we'll see you tomorrow on the Tuttle Daily Podcast. Hey, yo, Terry, fuck going on?